0: Just as a quick notice before we get started, at the time we recorded this episode, our guest's name was Maggie Carroll. Since the recording, he has come out as Luca Carroll, so while we refer to him as Maggie during this episode, it was not dead naming at the time. We were very, very happy that Luca was willing to join us, and we hope that he's able to join us for future episodes. Welcome back to Walking Away from Arcadia. I'm here with my co-host, Simon Eichhornchen, and we are joined today by Maggie Carroll and Charlie Cantrell. We're going to be talking about Freeholds and Glades and Glens and all the special places that changelings go to in their world, what these things are, the place they have in the world. Thank you both for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely.
2: Happy to be
0: here. Just to open up, tell us a little bit about Book of Freeholds. It was just released in PDF to C20 backers. Simon and I have been plowing through it. Give the elevator pitch to our listeners.
1: Well, it it always kind of bothered me that freeholds were never defined. I mean, they're a pretty important part of Changeling. So to not have a book about them just kinda of struck me as odd. You know, werewolves have cairns and mages have sanctums and chantries. Changeling didn't have any of that. So the opportunity came up to say, hey, can we do this? And they said yes.
0: There was the old Freeholds and Hidden Glens book, which Simon and I did look at as a comparison. But it's like a big book of examples. It's a little oh. bit like the Wraith Haunts book. Um, yeah, I
1: mean it's it's the difference between like wait, it's no great secret that my first love is mage. I mean, I love changeling, but mage was my game back in the day. I kind of took a lot of notes, especially in the M20, how Phil Brocato organizes things and does things. You know, if, if you can build a chantry, if it's meant to be cabal controlled, then a cabal should know how to build one and where to put points and everything. And You know, a motley is the exact same thing. So it's meant to be a pooled tool for players to expand their characters, their games, to have a say in it, you know?
0: One of the things that the book draws a division between is a freehold and a glade. Sometimes glades were called glens in the older books. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two things and the place they have in fey life, fey society?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you this question. Uh, a glade or a glen, however you prefer to call it, is basically a naturally occurring fountain of glamour, where glamour just sort of bubbles up into the autumn realm from the dreaming. Whereas a freehold is something that's sort of built on top of that to really, at least in my mind, focus the glamour and get it something a little bit more... Rarified and a bit more useful for changelings
1: don't want to really say refined it's just yeah yeah uh
2: because because i
1: mean like it <laughs> the wellspring will produce draws uh-huh. no matter what
2: more of a i guess in my mind it acts as kind of a lens for glamour it brings it a bit more into focus
1: that is a beautiful way to put it
2: yeah <laughs> no
1: because that's exactly like steffi had this section uh, Steffi is the one who wrote all the, you know, she did an ma- amazing job on mm-hmm. differentiating mechanically the different kinds of freeholds. And I mean, like, she just knocked it out of the park. And I guess it's kind of what you're getting at, right? It's like, it's a way of, you know, you take this hollow, which is a glade in a, if I remember what I wrote, it's a glade, like, in the middle of a forest. It's like a forest meadow. You turn that into a homestead. And it focuses the glamour around producing chimerical goods, like chimerical crops, chimerical animals.
3: One of the things that was introduced in the new Freeholds book is sort of the elements of a changeling sanctuary, whether it's a Freehold or a Glen. Mm-hmm. And they're fairly compatible between the two types, between Freeholds and Glens. But it seems like kind of tacking onto What Charlie just said about the freehold being a lens, the main difference between what you can do with a freehold and what you can do with a glen is freeholds and glens have specific types of what are called archetypes that they can invoke that create mechanical benefits to the people using them and their different benefits. Could you talk a little bit about the sort of design goal that the archetype aspect thing tries to meet.
1: The the dreaming is archetypes. I mean it's the most primal element of a story. That is what changelings are. The dreaming is their fairy tales, their stories, their their myths and legends. So the dreaming, one of the big things is like quests and knighthood and structure and all that kind of thing. But those are all archetypes too. So it's really just slotting in freeholds and glens in a way that's very easy to understand and also very thematically linked to the whole archetypical design of changeling it's archetypes all the way down <laughs> <laughs> but but i mean it is like you know, everything like your kit your house they're all archetypes this isn't the way that changelings used to be i mean, I mean if you look well charlie's underbridge beautifully done by the way i made him write that (laughs) he he turned in his dress and i saw underbridge and i'm like charlie stab this up it's going in the back (laughs) archetypes are a very recent thing just like everything else in changeling it's Mm -hmm. how the dreaming has evolved underbridge was not a thorpe or did we even do up no we didn't do up a a change a a Glen. that's for like shadows like it, yeah. it had if it had an archetype at all, it was way different. Yeah. So it's just kind of like the way that freeholds and glens have evolved as well. Like so. what's Glen was probably very, very different if it existed before the shattering.
0: Under Bridge, I remember making an appearance in the Dark Ages Fay Book. Uh-huh. So how much did you specifically try to make concrete connections or were you just looking for Kind of a, a narrative link. Just as, as feedback from when I was reading it, I felt like the Freeholds book actually got in more punch on Dark Ages fake, especially for its limited word count, than a lot of C20. I mean, there was some definite Dark Ages fake link there, but I felt like it was pretty beefed up in Book of Freeholds. How, how intentional was that,
1: Charlie?
2: I was going to say that, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Underbridge was me uh that wasn't in the outline that was just something that I thought would be a fun sort of nod to fans of Dark Ages Fae personally the way I kind of see the connections between Dark Ages Fae and Changeling the Dreaming is that Dark Ages Fae is kind of the prehistory of Changeling before the shattering but what's in the Dark Ages Fae book itself isn't quite the whole story it ends up being a lot more thematically linked than than actual textually linked i guess you could say but uh but at the same time you know this is the stuff that happened
1: i mean at the same time too i think a lot of us on changeling in general all those of us who are on the c20 book charlie and i included you know we took inspiration we took notes where we could like i took one of the banal treasures the friar's cross directly out of darkening skies yep and adjusted it for changeling so and i know that i think christer had the history
2: yeah,
4: I, I
1: know he drew really heavily on D.A. Fey for that. Uh
2: huh. He did. So in fact, uh, he was back. He was sending me early drafts of some yeah, of his Writing <laughs> <laughs> And it was fun seeing how his sort of evolved. But but in some of his drafts, there were the the connections between changeling yeah. and Dark Ages Faye were a lot more explicit than what ended up being in C twenty.
1: So. so I mean, I can't I can't really speak for anybody that I don't have direct hand knowledge of, but. We were pretty much given carte blanche to take inspiration from wherever. Yep. And I, I didn't see any problem with letting Charlie and Steffi run wild with what they wanted to. And Charlie ended up doing as you just said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a, I am enjoyed Dark Ages Bay a whole lot. So I like the little connections. At least in my mind, I don't think anything will ever get more explicit than what's in Book of Reholds. But uh but, you know, it's there if you want to use it and if you don't want to use it, it's easily ignorable
3: Mercy watched the azure dragon coil against the wall, plaster falling down in chunks where the creature broke through She could feel the glamour in the beast calling to her from the dreaming Her reverie broke abruptly as Lance called from the office backstage Merce, group meeting The Eshu sighed and put her brush down, taking one last look at the mural. It was perfect. She found her motley already gathered and waiting for her. In her defense, Laisha and Delilah looked like they'd been here smooching. That did not count as arriving on time. More bills? She asked Lance, hoping it was a minor problem. She was keen to return to her dragon. The she shook his head while he opened a manila folder, prompting an eye roll from Kane, who seemed to oppose preparation on principle. I can handle bills. I found a disturbing pattern. These people all visited mirror lights, Lance continued, spreading out newspaper clippings. The headlines dealt with the victims of stalkings and mortals attacking others. One of them reported a suspicious suicide, I don't know what's causing their madness, but we have to figure it out. We could lose mirror lights. Lady Azriel is already needling the Baron about our lack of experience." Maybe someone snuck in, Laisha offered, to taint mirror lights somehow. Lance shook his head. The chimerical golems would have stopped any intruders. It was already here, Kane said and Mercy sat up with a budding unease gnawing at her innards. I have nightmares, the red cap continued. About a darkness in the basement, Laisha finished. Anxiety rose in the pit of Mercy's stomach, spreading hot to constrict her throat. She looked past the office door, back to her magnificent dragon, its scales gleaming with all the love and hope Mercy put into it. Her vision narrowed, and she saw the subconscious details she'd added. Thick strands of darkness at the edges of the mural, encroaching inward to devour the dragon. She looked at Lance, hoping he'd dismiss the theory, but she saw the mounting panic on his face and knew he couldn't. It was already here, unseen, quietly spreading, like poison. Mirror Lights was besieged from inside. No, she stood up. This is our home, our haven. Whatever is down there can't win. Kane snorted. It's already past our defenses. Mirror Lights didn't stop it, didn't warn us. Whatever down there owns this freehold as much as we do. Mercy looked at Kane, still sitting on the faded blue couch. He was their fighter. How could they hope to win without him? The world spun around her. She was going to fall, or vomit, or... "'Fuck you, Kane! Laisha shot back, rising to stand beside Mercy. "'You're supposed to be a big, bad bulldog. We're gonna get down there, and we're gonna beat this thing.'" Lance stood. "'Cautious. Play it safe. Look at all the angles, Lance. Noble Lance, whose vote broke Motley's standoffs.'" "'Grab your baseball bat,' he said firmly to Kane. "'We're hunting nightmares.'" Mirror Lights has always had our backs. Tonight, we have hers. Breaking down a little bit the stuff that makes up Freeholds and Glades, you broke down the background trait into more or less a system where you can point by different aspects of what you want your freehold to be like as a way to customize it, to give it personality. And while probably everybody agrees that the squishier parts of it are the parts where the soul really is going to be going through the system a little bit, since it's new, wouldn't be a miss.
1: Balefire and Wellspring are the exact same thing mechanically. Like I said, I took a lot of notes from Mage and Werewolf in how they build cairns and chantries. The Balefire or Wellspring rating is literally how powerful the Wellspring or Balefire is. It is the limiter to a lot of things. Like, you cannot have passages over your Balefire rating, yeah. if I'm rem- remembering correctly. So that would mean, like, you could, you could have a Balefire of one that supports... Like five different trods, it's just, it's not likely to happen just because of the nature of it, you know? So we're not saying like it's, it's not a rule that can't be broken. It's just like the guideline is that the balefire is going to be limiting how stronger the other parts can be. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it does make sense. I'm just looking the... at the, the book cause it's in front of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this is, this is one part where it's like, 'Cause the fun the fun the fun thing of being a writer, especially on something this loved by fans, is occasionally you'll get people that are arguing your own rules back to you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the, the bailfire. So but
1: this is one part where I'm just like, no no no, just just tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um it looks like unless it's somewhere else, but under the Balefire entry in the point by system. It looks like the Balefire just limits Glamour and Dross generation. It I mean, doesn't it do anything else unless I'm having a massive, like...
2: I didn't it like also might rest, have been so changed. It, like, <laughs> yeah, that's so it
1: also might have been edited. But, but like, when, generally speaking, the spirit of it is, is, like, the sure. Balefire is going to be the heart of things. and.
3: Yeah, actually, there's a... There's an aside right above the Balefire thing that says players can skip adding points to Balefire entirely.
2: <laughs> yeah. but
1: I'm remembering this now, yes, because they're like, yeah, you can have this gigantic, powerful Balefire and, like, nothing to protect
0: it. <laughs> yeah, and when I read it, the feeling that I got is the out-of-the-book rules are you buy a level and that's how much clamor you get. Yeah. Yep. But that very that actually very quickly gets out of hand. You know, if lots of people want to have holding for story reasons, you end up, depending on how your game is going, potentially with more glamour than you need. At least I've run into that in my game. My game ended up being lower glamour than I expected it to be just because of the way my players are choosing to engage. And it felt like you get so many points to build your holding, and then you can spend them on whatever you want, and Balefire is one of those things. So you wanted to build a completely different sort of holding And you had just invested all of that glamour in running all these other things. It's not that there isn't glamour there. The glamour is just doing everything else. You don't get to spend it yourself. That's kind of the way I read it.
1: One of the differences is that glades will produce glamour naturally. Every glade does it. Freeholds don't. You actually have to take a power to transfer unused glamour into dross. And glades just get it automatically. Which is kind of like, you know, the balancing of that out. What good is having a glade? You could turn it into a freehold. Well, we didn't want to do that.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's one other thing that I've been thinking about that that comment kind of makes me uh, want to jump in on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this wording was intentional or not, but in the section that deals with bedlam, juicy, uh-huh. juicy, freehold-induced bedlam, yep. it does just use the term freehold. And it the language in there that I thought was interesting is it talks about, the refined glamour of a freehold and how that's part of the problem. It's just too intense and focused. I'm maybe well, that word a little bit, but it does refer to freeholds and not glens.
1: Well, if you go back to Charlie's yeah, you
0: I was know, was say That, one, that, that was my section. Uh, okay. And,
1: but if you want to go back to his lens metaphor, I mean, you can start a fire just with sunlight <laughs> through a lens. So you focus it too hard. You spend too much time in that beam. And you're gonna catch on fire, dude.
0: I guess what was that distinction intentional? The freeholds induced bedlam blends,
2: with, with, when I was writing it, it was not intentional. But now that okay. you pointed it out, I kinda like it.
1: <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> listen, listen, the golden rule of GMs that your players will always come up with cooler shit than you it's, could.
2: That's true. It yeah.
1: applies to writers too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no no that was totally intentional.
2: <laughs> totally totally yes yes you read my mind. <laughs>
3: You're failing to cultivate the mystique of the writer. <laughs> so the other things that were introduced as resources you could buy for freeholds and glades were mm-hmm. material resources. Well, I guess it's not really material, but resources that the well they
1: could be material. It depends.
3: They could be, but you not, could you could actually
1: no it doesn't have to be.
3: Yeah, so resources that are generated the trod connection, and then its ability to shelter uh-huh. itself. Maybe we could talk a little bit about how you see all of these things playing together to like make different freeholds of different character.
1: One of my, my favorites, I actually had a ball writing it, were the Nickelhell Barons, the Glades. It has a resources rating, say, right? Charlie can pick one to, co- to contrast with it, whatever one he <laughs> wants. But like, if you look at Niflhel Barrens, it, you know, its sanctuary is the remoteness of the location. It's, you know, it's the people from the Trolls Trollsborgs. It's the fact that it's basically inhospitable most of the year. It doesn't have much resources, but the stuff it does have is chimerical quality of leather and boar tusks. So you compare that with something else. You know, it's it, it paints a picture of this isolated place where the hardy can go to survive. Where in that area, the the lords, the nobles would withhold hunts to get these beautiful leather armors made from the boar skins. That all plays into what it is at its core, which is you know Nordic barren land of icy hell charlie want to pick a something to compare it with
2: i was was actually going to compare it to the geomantic heart because there you go that one was yours (laughs) yeah that one was mine and i enjoyed doing that one and it's it exists as kind of a sanctuary for the crystal circle it's this incredibly powerful freehold but it was built to be as inaccessible as possible it's got the maxed out sanctuary rating and everything and it's you know in the literally in the heart of a mountain in france and so you cannot just physically walk to it. You have to have some arts and realms in order to even enter it. So as opposed to just using natural geography to make it so inhospitable, it's very magically inaccessible. I don't think it had any resources to it. No, it didn't have any resources. It didn't really have any passages. It just had a raft to get in and out of it. Yeah. Because yeah. it was the Crystal Circle's sort of repository of all their knowledge so they don't want that stuff leaking out and getting into the wrong hands. So even though it's this incredibly powerful freehold, it just it doesn't do a lot other than it keeps these secrets safe.
0: We've talked a lot about kind of high fairy tale mythic kind of freeholds. There mm-hmm. are a couple freeholds that are mentioned in the book. One that I actually live like two train stops from, which I discovered <laughs> maybe three train stops from, which is cool. The American Indian Center in Chicago. And it's more like a concrete physical place. Uh And it also kind of introduced a Nuniahi Freehold, not in the context of like the lodges, which was the terminology that was used in C20. Can you talk a little bit about picking that spot, including it, the story you were trying to frame, with setting that freehold there? It seems much more urban than a lot of the others that i've seen which i i like mm-hmm. that inclusion was really awesome i looked them up and it got a lot of story ideas going for me <laughs> so i'm I'm curious about what went into that
2: so that's actually good to hear um what i wanted was something very archetypical of surviving against impossible odds and the nunahi really sprang to mind there and It just seems like throughout the history of Changeling, the Dreaming, there hasn't really been a whole lot done with them. So I thought that I wanted to represent them a little bit and kind of show them in a light that's a lot broader than, or at least in my mind, some of the narrow stereotypes that he can kind of fall into sometimes. And I don't think it's intentional on anyone's part that they kind of end up into some narrow stereotypes. I wanted to broaden a little bit about how they were presented. And uh, so I started doing some research and kind of looking into a little bit more in-depth into some of the horrible stuff that I knew happened around Native Americans, uh, even up through most of the 20th century. And that kind of got some of the wheels turning. And I looked into the American Indian Center and kind of what it was doing. It dovetailed very strongly into kind of what I wanted to do with the Nunahee and them surviving these impossible odds. So I think in my draft, it, it talks very, very briefly about some of that horribleness about Native American families being broken up and basically being forced to live in cities and off the reservation. And it was basically a, a systematic effort to destroy Native American culture. But the, the the people in Chicago got together and said, no, we're not going to let you destroy our culture. Since one of the ways that the Nunahi can gain glamour, even though they can't gain glamour from a traditional freehold, They do gain glamour from doing their tribal rights. Here is the center that preserves those tribal rights. And so they can actually use that as a way to to survive and even thrive in the face of this basically overwhelming opposition.
1: Reframing how the Nunahi are viewed Uh is also kind of why I included Samoset. I don't know if you caught it, but in the Pocket Gardens glade it mm-hmm. is protected by a i'm going to butcher this one uh Tungat, who is a social theorist professor at mit he is partnered with a i think i put it the unlikely duo of <laughs> an autumn she uh, baroness R- Rafaela, and Tungat, and they protect these little tiny glades from being developed Because we have this image from 20 years of the Nunahee being, you know, the native fey. They're people too, and they live in the same world. They should have the same jobs. They should have dovetailing goals. Well, not have, have. They're just as valid as any other kind of changeling. We wanted to show that too, as best we
0: could. I've seen a lot of conversation online about the American Indian Center and it being called a freehold and Nunyihi freeholds being invoked as lodges in C twenty, you brought up the fact that in some previous texts the Nunyihi aren't able to harvest glamour from we'll say Western Mm freeholds. And that is mentioned in the book as well. A lot of people that find that confusing did you talk at all about the Nunamihi freeholds or called lodges lines when when talking about framing this and how how do you envision all of that just for the people who've been struggling with it?
2: It's not something that I was really consciously thinking about when I was doing it because in my mind the the base definition of a freehold is a sanctuary from banality. Yeah, uh, it's so, kind of where
1: I was too with it. Yeah. Even redlining it, it never occurred to me yeah. to. Because, I mean, there's there's no hard stats on it. It wasn't statted for a reason. And that reason was, like, it should be whatever players need it to be, however they want to envision it. One
3: of the things I noticed reading the book, and this might be just an artifact of having multiple writers working on the same project, was that there didn't seem to be a single cohesive line about how the Nunahi interact with this element of Fae society. And based on the way Changeling in the past has interacted with the Ghislaine and the the artifacts of non-white cultures, I think is the best way to put it. (laughs) um, Yes. That in prepping for this, I kind of identified that I might have Ghislaine PTSD and that I am easily (laughs) triggered by things that are ambiguous, (laughs) but possibly negative. I noticed that there are are conflicting messages about the Nunahi, some of which are ambiguous, like the nunahi are incompatible with western freeholds and others which maybe were not intended to be an outright prescription against the nunahi using freeholds but there was one in particular in the section about destroying freeholds that said the glamour of a freehold is incompatible with the nunahi then there were the examples of nunahi freeholds in the book like I said, I might have Gulane PTSD and I'm maybe am being a little bit too sensitive to these things, but No, no,
1: these are these are good things to raise, like uh-huh. yeah. there. Oh. Quite quite frankly, like I <laughs> I am the wrong person to be asking about what's a hard line rule because I don't like
4: hard line rules.
1: I think I basically like with I, I don't like carving things in stone. So <laughs> Are the there, are there Nunahi meant to not be compatible with Western Freeholds? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't have uh, a good answer.
2: Some of the stuff, at least some of my struggles with writing or, or and dealing with the, the various Galane, is that there are artifacts from stuff that was written very early on in the game line that uh, I don't think is the way we would do it now. No, we are kind we, of
1: stuck with this as an anniversary edition. Yeah. It's not a revision.
2: Even though it is touted as kind of the third edition of Changeling and an anniversary edition at the same time, there were there are some things that, you know, we just
1: Yeah, there were places where we could push and there are places yeah. where we can't.
2: Yeah. And uh unfortunately and,
1: Yeah
2: There are some stuff well, that, I, that 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 I'm honestly fairly uncomfortable with the way the none of he have been treated <laughs> uh, over the years in Changeling that uh, I, I kind of wish we could take a different approach with it, but uh yeah. And yeah. this
1: is not to say anything against the, um the writer who covered it either. I'm not even uh-huh. sure who did at this, at this point anymore, but you know, like there, there were, like I said, there were places where we can make major changes, Dante being one of them writing Dark Ages Fae uh-huh. as part of Changeling history was another, but not everybody felt like they could do that. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, I'm very, very familiar with <laughs> imposed constraints. <laughs> and honestly, like, just having heard you guys talk up to this point, like, I was pretty sure I already knew that what the answer was there. <laughs> it's just nice to get it out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not really, like, it's it's not like it's a super deliberate thing. It's just, like I said, it's not a revision. It's not a new edition. It was presented in its original outline as a love letter to the fans. Yeah, there were places where we could push, there were places we couldn't, mm-hmm. and those places where we couldn't came from—I don't know how far up the line, but way above our pay grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: that's true.
3: <laughs> if you're reading this you must be in dire need of a change. The same thing happened to me long ago. I'd lost sight of what mattered most in life, real connections with other people and nature. So I dropped everything and moved to the place that I truly belong. I've enclosed the deed to that place, my pride and joy. It's located in Stardew Valley on the southern coast. It's the perfect place to start your new life. This was my most precious gift of all, and now it's yours. I know you'll honor the family name, kiddo. Good luck. Love, Grandpa.
0: I was curious if you could talk a little bit about some of the new things that you did with Glades, You mentioned very briefly the MIT gardens. Where did that idea come from? How do you see that working, all these like mini glades in a story?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at gardens in particular, they're an archetype of glade that show up in urban areas. It's kind of low-key saying that the dreaming can bounce back. It can find a, like, like Jurassic Park, life finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's kind of showing, like, one of the things that I, I've been on, like I said, since the beginning of C20. And one of the things that I came into it as a writer with, and that I, you know, took up to the next level as a developer with, is not all of these things are bad or banal. Science and math don't have to be banal. Doing repetitive things, if you really enjoy them, don't have to be banal. You know, banality is, is, is too narrowly defined. And to say that the dreaming can't come into urban areas because urban areas are full of, you know, nightmares and boring people and autumn persons, no, bullshit. I call bullshit on that. You look <laughs> at MIT, man. Look at MIT. Look, look at the, they have the Center for Brains, Minds, and Machines. How is that not glamorous? MIT has had this. I've never been there, by the way. <laughs> I just <laughs> they spread knowledge. They have these, you know, they have they have made it a point in their yearly budget to put aside money so that their students have green spaces. How is that not glamorous? So gardens gardens especially, like they're really recent. They're like since the resurgence recent. And it's kind of like the dreaming saying, hey, fuck you, move over, I'm coming back.
2: Yeah. And like urban gardening right now is such a huge thing. Yeah, exactly. Community gardens. My sister is a, uh. Co-ops, yeah. And she's huge into these and they're, they're just amazing. I didn't even know about it until a few years ago. And you get these whole entire communities coming together and planting these communal gardens. And you and have
1: empty lots being like the houses burned down or got uh-huh. torn down, and the community will get together and make a co-op. Yeah,
2: yeah that's a
1: garden, man. Or well, technically it's a homestead. But
2: <laughs> and, and if there's not glamour in that, then I don't know. <laughs> that makes me think about
0: something that I knew I wanted to work in somewhere. I didn't know the best spot. I was involved with a couple kind of live in art co-ops in Chicago. The one I was most involved with is called Eco and they have like a four-story building and a bunch of people live there together and they run they ran a CSA for a while and they mm-hmm. do festivals and cooking workshops and yoga. And
3: A CSA is a biz- farm share for anybody who doesn't know.
0: Yeah, um, CSA is a farm share. And they do a bunch of like independent creative business incubators and the thing that always struck me about it like they have this annual thing called feastable and there are a bunch of people giving academic talks and then they get a bunch of people together to collectively cook all of the food and they do they turn cooking the food for the festival into like 15 little mini cooking workshops leading up to the actual event and then there's fire spitting and all this other stuff.
1: But yeah, th- that's a freehold to me. Oh no, it's absolutely a freehold.
0: Yeah. The thing that struck me about it that like I, I wanna tap somehow and there's like a system there is the thing that's that I love about the way C twenty dealt with bedlam, even before the Bedlam rules and freeholds, is you go into Bedlam and the reason freeholds are dangerous just if you're just looking at the C twenty book is you're gonna slip eventually. And you need human connection to stop from slipping. You need these epiphanies. If you just cling to your freehold, well, the nightmare is going to overtake you eventually. I'm thinking about this idea of this space where there are so many dreamers in the freehold itself, it can anchor that effect somehow. I know this is probably well beyond the book, but <laughs> I was curious what you thought about those sorts of spaces, where like maybe it's a freehold, Absolutely. but dreamers outnumber changelings. There. Absolutely.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. That sounds. I awful. think a
1: smart changeling would move right in.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got one of my one of my recurring settings that I use in a lot of uh, in in a couple of chronicles that I've run so far. The changeling district of the city is this big maker community where they basically yeah.
4: We these have, makers uh, have
2: taken yeah. over like this entire city block so the changelings have seen this going on are like hey we need in on this <laughs> this is yeah awesome. <laughs> i have
1: much the same thing like i use my own city uh when i run changeling mm-hmm. and uh it's it's literally the oldest city in north america and we have like 500 years of history here there are art like it's not really so much as an art district but the Crafts Council especially is huge here, like handmade goods, very tourist trappy sometimes. But, uh-huh. you know, but there's out in, it's called Kitty Vitty Village. It's just out, not really outside the city, but it's like its own community. And that's where the microbrewery is. That's where the plantation, which is an artist workshop space, mm-hmm. shared, like it's a shared space for artists. That's where that is. And any changeling who had any sense of survival would move right next door.
3: Yeah. <laughs> in Minneapolis, at least, the uh, the microbrew thing has become a bit banal, in fact. Oh, no. <laughs> well, have... but,
1: but there's the difference. Like, you can have two things that are technically the same thing,
2: uh-huh.
1: but one has become incredibly banal, and the other can still generate glamour.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, they
3: have a pet's. point. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's my neighborhood right now. Like, <laughs> not with the microbrewery aspect, but the housing dynamics and the things they're building that they're selling is very creative, but not <laughs> for that purpose. So, yeah.
1: so that would that would not be your artist district right there. That would be your autumn person district. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be uh-huh. like changelings. Get the hell out of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually a little like a single line, I think, uh, that sort of touched on that in the Freeholds book. I was using an example of just a Noble's Freehold, and I decided, you know, hey, let's take a look at the toy box. Where is the toy box now? That was the original first edition yeah. signature Freehold. And it's like, oh, that's in San Francisco. What's yeah. happened in San Francisco since... Uh, oh, crap, like, what's happened in San Francisco? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just, it's like one line, maybe two, but it's like the toy box is struggling now because of all these Silicon Valley people who moved in and there's just no,
1: and it's not, it's not the Silicon Valley people because there, there will be, oh, there sure. will be creative places. Be,
2: yeah. But, but, the money is, is overwhelming so much else. And they the rents are skyrocketing. And, uh, it's the
1: shallow and pointless like uh-huh. lifestyle. Yep. Not to say that anybody who lives in San Francisco is shallow and pointless. Oh, just no, no, say no. that right now.
0: Right. Yes. <laughs> I have several friends in San Francisco and they complain about
3: these exact things. Yeah. <laughs> really not off the mark. But. <clears throat> the variety of ways to interpret the same thing touches on a point I wanted to get to. So one of the things I noticed in the examples was that they were a lot less constrained by what I'm going to call the system, the system descriptions of things. And that as well, I might have killed that, was an example of a bale fire that wasn't literally a fire. And then we also touched on gardens, which kind of defy the Glen requirement of being untouched. Mm-hmm. And I like the space that creates, but it being in conflict with the description in the system setting is a little bit hard to square for somebody who's as rules loyal <laughs> as I am.
1: Like I said, I don't like hard rules. Yeah,
3: I was going to say. Um, I, think that's the, the I don't like the, hard rules.
1: Yeah, like you're talking the to the team. wrong people, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: well, then the question, was, the question that emerges from that kind of organically is, why not make squishy rules? We did. Um, the, we made them. The glade we made rules them specifically, specifically say that they need to be untouched.
1: And technically, a garden is, it is untouched. Very
3: cultivated. <laughs>
2: It depends. It is, but it's not worked like a freehold is worked. You no, know,
1: it's not like that, but that's the thing, like there's a lot of room for interpretation in the mm-hmm. word untouched. It could just mean natural. Mm-hmm. You can have manicured nature, you know, like, and that's kind of the point of why the coalition of changelings who go to MIT, who live in the area, who work there, are trying to keep it so that they remain untouched. Like you can caretake something without ruining it without changing it. And that's kind of the point that, that's really the point that we're trying to hammer home there, is you can take care of something without fundamentally changing its nature.
3: So as a counterexample, because I'm an argumentative person, but as a counterexample, <laughs> would Central Park, were it not already a cairn, count as a garden?
1: Parts of it, probably.
2: I Central say, Park it's way too big. Yeah, Central a fan Park of used to be city. That.
1: Was it created recently like this is this is the thing this is where the soft rules are. this is where all the like there are quote hard rules there, but they're not really that hard because there are always ways around them. Central Park has been there for what two centuries. I
0: well, say that
1: parts of it are quite natural by now
0: <laughs> well and and with Central Park, I think that's a prime example of the intentionally Breaking down something that had been structured back to a glade. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, that I could think very well be as well. I think that's probably the story that I would go with there. I'm kind of halfway between both ends on this conversation <laughs> because on one hand, I get really caught up in framing. I mostly get caught up in framing because I'm gonna have players that I'm gonna have to explain things <laughs> to, and depending yeah. on those players, they may cling on to words. On the other hand, I'm very inclined to just throw wide swaths of the game out the window. Okay, I'm, I'm much more, that. Yeah, I'm much more comfortable yeah. doing that than <laughs> a lot of people that I've gamed with recently, actually. I think part of what I'm hearing, and, and it actually does make a fair bit of the book make sense to me, although I can hear a lot of fans screaming, <laughs> is that the book is pretty intentionally contradictory on some of these points. To yeah. get it, a, I mean. Again, all,
2: all you're not questions. really <laughs> like. I, was say, I don't know if it's intentionally contradictory, but if you see the contradiction, think of it as a way to expand. Okay. <laughs> no,
1: like I, I can't really speak for most of the writing because
2: like, mm-hmm. Steffi
1: and Charlie basically had half and half. You know, for contradictory things. Well, honey, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I thrive. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I took, you know, I I made. Banal Chimera a thing. (laughs) I know that they existed before, but I put them in the core book. (laughs) I took changelings that should not have been reborn and made them get reborn. (laughs) (laughs) Contradictory is my wheelhouse.
0: I think, and you can totally do the, uh, you may well think that I couldn't possibly comment. I can't help but look into some of this and see... Like, what you were talking about and how far you could push, you know, you can't reset the boundaries, but it would be unreasonable to say any World of Darkness property kept to its own boundaries that carefully. <laughs> so... It,
1: again, I come from... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, like, again, my, my game back in the day was mage. I play the cultist. You know what the cult <laughs> does? The cult sees a boundary and goes, okay, I'm passing you today. <laughs>
2: But yeah, from from my perspective, I'm very much a. The, does that make a cool story? Yeah, let's run with it. That's that's awesome. <laughs> my first chronicle was a was a crossover thing, but I'm actually not that big of a fan of crossovers these days, and uh, I I kind of feel like each of the World of Darkness games should be the star of their own game. So oh, Charlie,
1: a- you're slipping back to Grump Man. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> as right. as someone who does a lot of crossover, yeah. get uh, off I my do- lawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, like, I like, you know, if I'm talking about something in Changeling and I know that it's been referenced in another game, then, you know, I might pay some lip service to the other thing. But at the same time, this is this is the Changeling perspective on it. And the, the cha- like, Get off
1: my lawn!
2: <laughs> yeah, but at the same
0: time, how addictive would epiphanying a mage be? Meditate on that for a moment.
3: Depends
1: <laughs> on the mage. I doubt you'd get much out of a technocrat.
3: Well, I think a knocker might. Speaking yeah. of well, it, it, it,
1: it, depend, it depends. Are they going to get more out of the New World Order or out of it X?
0: Well, I mean, sure, it acts, but... <laughs> I think a boggin could get plenty out of a Syndicate member, though. Or not a boggin, a, a yeah. Bogart.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that.
0: <laughs> that brings us to, you know, what we were talking about, not loving hard rules... There is a hard rule that we wanted to ask a question about because it was a little confusing. Um Absolutely. Uh-oh. There was a Yeah, no this is this is more just like a weird thing that we didn't understand so we wanted to see if we missed something. It's going back to the whole bedlam, I think it was a sidebar, uh-huh. and talking about overcharging. Like if you get glamour higher than your rating yeah. and we couldn't find any reference to that being allowed can you
2: talk a little bit about the intent of that the the intent was hey that's kind of cool let's do that <laughs> uh-huh.
1: you know, the intent was yeah charlie that really does sound like a good idea let's go with this <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. like i i'm sorry to break it down like if you think that this is like a very mystical process of writing
2: <laughs> it's not <laughs> uh,
1: but, it's but- it's mostly like conversations on messenger where it's like what about if I did this yeah shit go with
2: that like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no the the idea is you know if you gain more glamour than you can actually hold and you just sort of OD'd on glamour is is kind of the idea and that's bad don't OD on glamour (laughs) (laughs) stay
1: stay away from (laughs) dross (laughs) kids
2: but I
3: love crushing it and snorting it (laughs) <laughs> well, that would be
1: that would be one way to go into bedlam, wouldn't it? <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm, I'm just, just saying, I've got a very
0: nice Selene character that uh' <laughs> perk up right there.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> what do you see? "'Rictus asked him. "'A wall?' Harvey replied. "'Though the more he stared at it, the less certain of this he was. "'The stones, which had seemed solid enough at first sight, "'now looked to be shifting and wavering, "'as though they'd been chiseled from the fog itself "'and piled up here to keep out prying eyes. "'It looks like a wall,' Harvey said. "'But it's not a wall. "'You are very observant.' Rictus replied admiringly. Most people just see a dead end, so they turn around and take another street. But not us. No, not us. We are going to keep on walking. You know why? Because the Holiday House is on the other side? What a miraculous kid you are, Rictus replied. That's exactly right. Are you hungry, by the way? Starving. Well... "'There's a woman waiting for you in the house called Mrs. Griffin. "'Let me tell you, she is the greatest cook in all of America-land. "'I swear, on my tailor's grave. "'Anything you can dream of eating, she can cook. "'All you have to do is ask her deviled eggs.' "'He smacked his lips. "'Oh, perfection!' I don't see a gate, Harvey said. That's because there isn't one. So how do we get in? Just keep walking. Half out of hunger, half out of curiosity, Harvey did as Richtus had instructed, and as he came within three steps of the wall, a gust of balmy flower-scented wind slipped between the shimmering stones and kissed his cheek. Its warmth was welcome after his long, cold trek and he picked up his pace, reaching out to touch the wall as he approached it. The misty stones seemed to reach for him in their turn, wrapping their soft gray arms around his shoulders and ushering him through the wall.
3: Now that I'm done being... (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> aggressive fanboy. <laughs> I'm going to move on to an easier one again. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, I swear to
1: God, that's going to be my next archetype as a character. Unfortunately, oh aggressive fanboy. <laughs>
0: oh my God, I mean,
3: autumn person right there, right? right? Yeah, like,
0: I need this to be an autumn person in a book Listen, somewhere. <laughs>
1: do you know why the theater critic was how he was? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I grew up in the theater, so, oh, yes, I met that person.
3: I date theater people. <laughs> uh,
0: theater people are the best and the worst simultaneously. <laughs> what is
3: one thing you wish you'd been able to fit in the book that you couldn't?
1: Oh, wow, that's... Whew, that's a good one.
2: I I actually... That is a good question, because I honestly was surprised, at least from my sections, that I was able to fit in as much as I did, given the uh, short word counts involved.
1: See, so this kind of segues into the other thing that we can talk about, too, because what didn't get into this book is kind of going <laughs> into the next. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, well,
3: I'm not going to stop you.
0: Yeah,
3: I mean, we <laughs> talked about freeholds
0: for a while. If you want to talk about <laughs> the next book... Um,
1: I am not the only developer on it. Pete Woodworth, who developed the upcoming Boggins kit book, were co on it. So I don't want to get too in depth. But uh, no, absolutely. We can talk a little bit about it.
0: What we have officially is Changeling 20th Player's Guide, which is interesting because I don't think any of the other 20ths have Player's Guide. They have companions, they have books with secrets in them that when you read them, you go, oh, this is a Player's Guide. But like, Just like owning it. That's new. (laughs) (laughs) Like 20,000 feet, what the the plan is.
1: The plan is to spend not that much time talking about Concordia.
3: (laughs) Oh, thank Jesus. I love Um, you so much
0: right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, what I wish we could have gotten more word count for in Book of Freeholds. Is something that Charlie pissed me off with because I wanted him, I wanted him to write like 10,000 more words on it. Parliament exactly. of Dreams. He put in this line that every freeholder gets a seat in the House of Commons.
2: Which was different than the original uh, write-up of the Parliament of Dreams back in Nobles and the Shining Host, but I was writing it and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if... <laughs> Think Charlie, stop potential. doing <laughs> this to yes, me! I,
3: I, um... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I both love that and that would that that would completely destroy my current game. (laughs) Yeah, and on the flip
3: side, like I had to go back to that book and be like, oh, that's not the way it works. That's been my headcanon for like a decade.
0: (laughs) No, I mean that, that and that matches feudal systems better. It's way more interesting. I love the stories that emerge from that about like yeah, I'm a freeholder. I have a freehold. I want nothing to do with your parliament.
2: Yeah, Thanks.
0: which that's why it would break my game. My players explicitly went, "Oh, courts, no." no but you that's, can that's, do that's that. Yeah, but, but
1: even, but you can, you can do that. You can just like, like, okay, the Wizengamot from Harry Potter. No, people show up to their fucking seats.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then you also have the people who are like. We want this vote, so you want to show. Yeah, up? We'll bribe you to show up for this one particular vote. It adds an
1: optional layer. Like that was yeah. the whole point of freeholds for me, anyway. Coming at it as the developer, was to enhance the layers of play. Like you can have political games, like, nothing you couldn't before, but it's enhancing political games. It's enhancing economical games. Like even just quests. And social games, places where you could go. One thing I am glad we got in the book, though, was the Covenants of Flame. I told Charlie, I was like, okay, I wrote, because I did the Freehold section in C20. I was like, okay, Charlie, I totally did this sidebar about the Return of the Kings. And literally phrased it that way because it was kind of... (laughs) Some of us liked seeing how many pop culture references we could slip past red lines. (laughs) And I was definitely one of them. (laughs) Long story short, we're going to be touching on the Parliament of Dreams.
0: That's exciting. That's going to be interesting. It's really only gotten, like, maybe, like, a paragraph here or there.
2: Yeah, because when I was researching for that section, the only things I could find were, like, a line in the various core books, the couple of paragraphs. Uh, Kingdom and, uh, of
1: Willows, too, I think, had the most, and it really didn't have that much.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, it was mostly, in, uh, if I recall correctly, it was mostly just a description of the building. It wasn't even, you know. It was
1: about David, mostly, too. Yeah, like it was about yeah. David Ardrey. So yeah, long story short, I wish we could have gotten more about Parliament, but that kind of went into the next book. So, But I am glad that we did get the Covenants in, because Charlie is, is like, I will bring him with me to every book I develop now. <laughs> <laughs> I loved working with him on C20. I'm really glad I picked him up for free holes. I just, I had his name on my shortlist for when Player's Guide came up.
3: Yeah, I liked the, the Covenants as a... Throwback to the exalted. That they kind of exist there too, and they're yeah. creepies. Fucking.
1: I basically bad. told them I ba- like. I gave I gave you so much latitude on that. <laughs> I was like, all right. I just said that they came back from Arcadia with like these these artifacts that were lost, and just do it. <laughs> and he came back with the covenants <laughs> of flame, man. And man, was it—they're beautiful. Like just <laughs> yeah. a beautiful small but vital mechanic, you know, that that then tied into Steffi's repetition of while they reside within.
0: Which, speaking of Arcadia, not necessarily a question, but I just have to say, thank you for name-dropping Tiernanog. Yes. I really appreciated seeing that in the book. I only recently learned that the Arcadia name, it, that's a callback to, like, Ars Magica that turned into World of Darkness. I didn't realize it went back that far. But it's always confused me a little bit, and having even just like the hook to Tirnanog made me very happy.
1: I'm pretty Irish in my heritage, like, very, very Irish. Tirnanog is the land of the, is the land of fairies. Of course we're, well, Charlie name dropped it, yeah. but of course I was going to let him name drop it. <laughs> well,
2: I, I actually was always a little bit frustrated in, uh, the second edition core book where it explicitly says North America was Tyrnanog and like, no! No!
3: No! No, no. <laughs>
0: no!
2: Yeah, so, so we got to, to retcon that a little bit and so I was glad to be able to retcon that just a little bit, so. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, Tyrnanog and tir Tarangari were supposed to be islands off of fucking Ireland. Like, yeah. <laughs> North America, well, technically an island off Ireland <laughs> is not quite
2: a <laughs> big island. Way off. Way yeah,
1: on. it's, it's not quite what we wanted to do.
0: <laughs> I beg to announce to your glorious highness, began the scarecrow in a solemn voice, that my emerald city has been overrun by a crowd of impudent girls with knitting needles who have enslaved all the men "'Robbed the streets and public buildings of all their emerald jewels, and usurped my throne!' "'I know it,' said Glinda. "'They also threatened to destroy me, as well as all the good friends and allies you see before you,' continued the scarecrow. "'And had we not managed to escape their clutches, our days would long since have ended.' "Mm, "'I know it,' repeated Glinda. "'Therefore, I have come to beg your assistance,' resumed the scarecrow. "'for I believe you are always glad to succour the unfortunate and oppressed.' "'That is true,' replied the sorceress slowly. "'But the Emerald City is now ruled by General Ginger, "'who has caused herself to be proclaimed queen. "'What right have I to oppose her?' "'Why, she stole the throne from me,' said the Scarecrow. "'And how came you to possess the throne?' asked Linda." "'I got it from the Wizard of Oz.' "'And by the choice of the people,' returned the Scarecrow, "'uneasy at such questioning. "'And where did the wizard get it?' she continued gravely. "Uh, "'I'm told he took it from Pastoria, the former king,' said the Scarecrow, "'becoming confused under the intent look of the sorceress. "'Then,' declared Glinda, "'the throne of the Emerald City belongs neither to you nor to Ginger.' but to this pastoria, from whom the wizard usurped it. So uh, just to ask maybe a little bit more about the player's guide. We talked about like that one thing. You mentioned that maybe not talking yeah. about Concordia a ton. Should we keep that at the 10,000 foot level? Can you give a little no, bit No, I of can talk about that? that. Awesome. I can
1: talk about that. We, I think a third of the book's word count is going to the places that we haven't seen yet. Australia, the Middle East, South America, and Africa.
0: I have to say that makes me really, really happy. I have a dream that I will never again read one kith is covering three. No, I mean,
1: like we don't, with the caveat that we don't have the word count. I mean, each place rightly deserves its own book, but we have to go with what we have. Like there won't be enough word count to do everything. You know, one of the things I'm going to be very specific about this We're not saying that the stuff that will be coming out in the player's guide is it. We are not saying that, like, if we end up doing, like, two new kits for each area. We're not saying that there are only two kits in each area. We're just saying, like, this is a jumping off point. We're trying to give some representation to places that aren't Eurocentric.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that approach, the expansive framing as opposed to the specific framing... I always like the World of Darkness books that go that route, especially now that there's Create a Kith, yeah. you know, explicitly framing something as like, okay, here is a starter, yep. now go forth. I'm, I'm okay with that, especially in the context of a player's yeah. guide. That is still pretty exciting for me.
1: I will say that all of our writers are very intent on doing an appropriate job. Not just a good job, but they want to be respectful as well. And I've like people are burying themselves in the research
0: for this. That is definitely very exciting to hear. I have one more quick question. Not so much player's guide. It kind of actually draws us back to freeholds a little bit. You introduced a thing in C20, and I feel like it's connected to freeholds. And I wanted to like do a little bit of conversation at the end on dross economy. Mm. I know we chatted about that. Okay. Yeah. It was probably like a year ago now. Can you talk a little bit about Dross economy, especially how you feel about it now that there are special powers for your freeholds that really explicitly create Dross?
1: Well, I was always kind of irritated that, not really irritated. Every single one of us who's worked on Changeling is exactly the kind of fanboy and fangirl that you guys are. (laughs) Like I remember like working on C20, most of us went from Grump back into Wilder. We approached it like we're all, like we're all in our thirties now, we have families and responsibilities, we're so fucking broken. But look, changeling, I feel like I'm twenty again. (laughs) One of the things that I really appreciated in particular was the chance to shore up the areas that kinda had like holes in them. And for changelings to not have an economy, it's always bothered me. Same thing as like they didn't have rules for crafting a freehold. They didn't have a crafting system.
2: Building treasures, building oaths. Yes, That was always one of the things that annoyed me about Changeling, is you had these lists of oaths, but there was never guidelines. How do you create a new oath? Uh,
1: why would you create a new oath? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. would
2: you create a new oath, that sort of thing. Charlie,
1: by the way, he wrote the oaths for uh Freeholds. He's really got a knack for it. <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs> that's, uh, but yeah, that's, that's been always some of my pet peeves, is that is that Changeling, historically, has always given lists of things but not how to create your own.
1: You know, and again, I, another place I drew from mage, like mages and changelings are actually really similar mechanically in that they are completely different things, but the, the gist is the same, you know? <laughs> they have, like, where mages have nodes, changelings have balefires. They both produce the energy source, but why do mages get tasks? And changelings get nothing, you know? M- mages, and uh, I did see it on, argued on the forums that <clears throat> wretched hives of scum and villainy. No, really love you, love you all. Love you all. <laughs> According to the forum, this one argument on the forums, it's really banal to base a monetary society on glamour for some reason. But the thing is, I don't get it. But okay, <laughs>
3: their life itter. Um, so. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: but no, it makes perfect but mages, sense. But majors,
1: majors, something you. that has value. Dross has value. It is a point of glamour. It is an easy value to attribute, no matter what it looks like. Dross of one piece of dross is one point of glamour. Just the same as no matter what it looks like, one piece of Tass is one point of quintessence.
3: Yeah, and there were lines in old second edition books Mm -hmm. about Dross taxes. Like, obviously, this (laughs) thing was an unfinished thought, but it was there.
1: Yeah. And I just kind of like, because everybody always assumed, you know, like, Dross was meant to be a point of glamour. Because the word Dross means Leftovers. You can make dross. I I will clarify right now. No, you do not constantly have to be killing Chimera in the Dreaming to get dross. Okay? Dross can occur naturally, and you can harvest it like you would harvest silver out of a mine and mint it.
3: There was a really, really fun (laughs) game I never got to run that I wanted to do where, like, this hive of knockers goes into some kids dreaming mind with a neuromancy to like get the thing they need to make the thing for the she Lord. And then like,
1: that is a perfectly legitimate way. And then fast forward
3: five years and this kid is a nervous wreck because his mind has been mined.
2: They they took the thing out of him. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: (laughs) But that, but like that, that is a perfectly good way to harvest Ross. Now it, not so great for the dreamer.
3: <laughs> you know, yeah, but the Faye don't give a shit about morality.
0: <laughs> I mean, Charlie wouldn't know anything about
2: that. No. <laughs> I, I played in Victor's changeling game at Cobb last year. So.
0: Uh, and he did a magically horrible thing to a couple of cops. Well, one cop in particular. Well, that poor man. <laughs> magically Delicious. <laughs> thinking about the whole like freeholds and economy thing. I kind of totally want to do a thing where there's an economy of dross, but it's dangerous because okay, there's the dross you get from humans. That's lovely and that's human dross. But now that you've reintroduced that freehold glamor induces banality, just like the horror of, yeah, no. Here's a ton of dross. I'll pay you for this thing. It all came from a freehold. and I'm gonna sit back and watch because you don't. Know
1: <laughs> yeah, that. you could do that. You
0: could do that. <laughs> like that adds a whole different like thing. The dantein thing. The thalate. Okay. If, thing, you look, the, if you look, if you look at court.
1: if you look at typhoids, they produce dross. Mm-hmm. It's not very nice dross, <laughs> but it
3: is dross. Yeah, and talking about all that like mage being your jam thing I love the (laughs) idea that like not all dross is usable by all changelings and some of it might be actually banal (laughs) look
1: okay this is just a name that I kick around behind the scenes the Dantain were specifically Nefendi not Nefendi, (laughs) Nefendi they are exactly what the Nefendi are they're broken they're violent in some way, shape or form, and they want to destroy the thing that makes them. And yeah. that's exactly it. Like, there's tasks that mages won't touch. There's draws that changelings shouldn't touch.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know, like, I don't really bring one game into another, but there's a lot of parallels and a lot of themes that are quite freely interchangeable.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and if there are two games that I just love mixing, it's Mage and Changeling. Yeah. <laughs> All day long. It, make,
1: it, it makes sense. Like like I said, like they're very spiritually like each other. They're spiritual twins, you might even say.
3: How about those Thalane Freeholds? <laughs>
2: well, if All you, yours, Charlie. <laughs> I... I, I kind of love the Thelaine. The storyteller in me loves the Thelaine. The the player in me does not, but the uh, the storyteller in me does. And if oh, we, the
1: writer if, in me loves them too. Yeah,
2: if we ever get to revisit Thelaine in more depth, Maggie.
1: <laughs> Honey, you don't even have to. I told I told Charlie after he turned me in his drafts for freeholds, I'm like, Charlie, you're a fucking horror writer now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I told him like, I, I believe the line was, when it was talking about maintaining a freehold, because we wanted to touch on all the mechanical, well not really the mechanical stuff, but all like the minutiae, without going too into detail, about what owning a freehold entails. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe they have, you know, chimerical pests. And he comes back with fucking Dream Weevils <laughs> and Nightmare Locusts. <laughs> I'm just I, like, you...
0: I did really like those.
1: <laughs> and I'm just like, like, I am a horror writer, and I approach most of my work as a horror writer, clearly. But I was just, I read those, I'm like, Charlie, I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, you are a horror writer. Don't ever deny it. <laughs> you are not allowed to say you're not (laughs) because this shit is horrifying (laughs) and all i said was i don't know chimerical pests one thing that eats your freehold one thing that eats your fucking dreamers
0: (laughs) yep well and so i mean also thinking about the lane freeholds i i think i mentioned it in one of the fiction pieces from our Beyond the Mist episode, I really feel like there are a lot of stories waiting in the wings about, okay, there are all these Concordian politics, but, like, no, really, the Thalane are taking freeholds now, and we have to uh-huh. deal with that,
2: <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's that's something that I kind of have been thinking about for a little bit now, uh, pretty much ever since we worked on C20. I've got, like, a lot of things in my head that I want to play with with Thelaine, so... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I keep I keep hoping that we're going to get a book of nightmares because oh, my god,
3: I would love to do I that. So I would to do a book of nightmares.
1: Coming up with Ruin was fun enough. <laughs> 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 how, how I described it to people, it starts at infusing the properties of cold iron and just kind of goes up from there. Yeah. But like to do more arts and I, w- I would honestly let Charlie just go fucking crazy with Chimera. I really would. <laughs>
0: well, there was, there was one thing that was, it was seated, it was said to exist in C20, and I've played around with a house version of it, and that's versions of the stigmas that are wielded by Chimera. Um, I think specifically yes. in the yeah. Dark Iron Chimera, like, I love the new Dante. I love them, but I also love Banal Changelings, deeply <laughs> for very specific character archetype reasons that came up in our Queer Themes episode a fair bit. I'm really curious to see how that would really play out because I think that opens a lot of things even beyond Cold Iron Chimera. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, like, I love antagonists. I love writing antagonists. I love the work I did. I mean, like, that shit's going up on my wall in frames, you know? Like... (laughs) I think gasps were the favorite I came up with of Thelaine. Uh the Redcaps. I based them on the Gentleman from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know they're, they take they take organs, they eat them. I uh, man, I just like I just want to dive into the gigantic world
0: of nightmares. One thing I'm running into with my game is I want to move to using the new Freehold rules, but my players have a bunch of holding but they took it in c20 they just took the background points they get some glamour we move on and i wanted to dive into using the freehold rules and i saw the whole thing about investing glamour the investment and at first Mm -hmm. i thought okay well i won't inflict that on them then they like got into the rules and i'm like no i really have to they get too much advantage here (laughs) do you have any advice for transitioning when you've already kind of like, you didn't build your characters with the glamour pool to support that. You have these background points. You want to use these
2: rules. Well, the, you have the background. Balance gets a little weird. So so the background kind of assumes that you've already spent that glamour. So their character, the glamour on their character sheet could just be their glamour after they've invested it in their freehold. So. Oh, okay. So that's actually something I
0: wasn't totally clear on. They seemed to be at the start of a game. And so I was thinking that that, yeah, With I mean something you had to spend
2: beyond the background points. Yeah, if you're building a freehold like in the middle of a chronicle or something, then yeah, spend the glamour, invest it, get your soul as part of it. But if at character creation you took those dots in holding, then you totally spent that point of glamour before the game started. So. We didn't want
1: to make it completely inaccessible, which is why like a character can in fact create a level five freehold without you know permanently undoing themselves. <laughs> yeah. We also didn't want to make it simple because as one of the current, you know, de facto line developers, I did kind of want to point out that the dreaming is and can bounce back. It's also very fragile. It's not a sure thing. It's not solid. You know, so these places are vanishing still. It's bouncing back in one area, but it's vanishing in another. Creating powerful freeholds, especially, is going to be difficult just this side of impossible, not quite impossible, but close to it. The reason why we kept it as you always have to invest one dot is to reflect that exact thing that it's a point of personal sacrifice and you really have to want to build a freehold to build a freehold. But that's specifically for in-game building. Like Charlie said, if you take it before, like if you just take it as a holding, you know, it's just, it's considered that you've already spent this.
0: Man, those background points uh pack a punch. I mean, <laughs> on <curious>. the flip <laughs> side, the permanent dot banality if the freehold ever falls is yeah. also a punch to the gut. So yeah. I also recognize kind of some of the vulnerability that comes with that, but...
1: Here's okay. the fun part. If you have a group, that, because I don't think we actually did this in particular, but if you have a group that owns a freehold jointly, who carries the treasure? Because there's only one. One covenant to one freehold. So if you have a group of five, who gets to reside within?
0: Well, and that also brings up an interesting question about the seed on the parliament of dreams with, yep. the, you know, <laughs> a group situation. I kind of like that being undefined. I like that just kind of hanging there. So yeah. Well,
1: but. that's the thing. Like it's not really our job to tie up everything into a nice neat bow. Sometimes we just, we let things dangle because who the hell are we to tell you how to play your game?
2: Some things work a lot better undefined than they do if they're defined for absolutely you know, gaming course book.
1: I know Charlie wanted to talk about one thing he's doing in the new core or in the new book.
2: So yeah, I'm, I'm writing playable chimera and, uh, Chimera as PCs.
0: That's interesting. I have to ask, how much are you looking or not looking? And maybe you can say you don't want to give too much away at sprites from Dark Ages Fey, because that that immediately makes me think about sprites.
2: I was I was actually just reading Dark Ages (laughs) Fey. Now, how much will get (laughs) used from that? I I don't know, but the reason we think that the time is right for them now is
1: because i mean you look at movies like night at the night at the museum or ted or any movie that has something coming to life and that's kind of that's all i'm going to say about it that that's where the inspiration is coming from
0: so i mean the thing that that makes me think about though is the whirlpool taker yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah and, and specifically and you know Uh, I suspect this episode is going to drop before the episode I'm about to reference. I'm sorry, Uh everyone. We don't do these in order. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we were talking um, in an episode about Dark Ages Uh Faye about that Warpultinger story and how it relates to Sprite Saining Uh and the potential connection there. And I can't help but, like, think about that hook and how it relates to the idea of playable Chimera. So, I guess just like throwing out there that I definitely see connections there, although I see what you're saying as well about the thing while it is in the state of being Chimera. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, But, but yeah, no, the Wolpertinger, I kind of left it ambiguous in C20, how the transition happened. But yeah, I kind of had stuff like the, like the seining from Dark Ages Fae in my, in my mind. And just that there's, they needed to do something to achieve that level of permanence within the dreaming in order to make that transition from Chimera to Cthane. it's And I it's think,
1: interesting because, tr- sorry to I mean, just to jump in, because uh, I
2: referenced Wolpertingers too, yeah.
1: as still as a Chimera. <laughs> and there was like no collusion really between there, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but it just goes to show like, yes, there there are still some Wolpertingers that are Chimera.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So maybe the transition isn't complete. like. Yeah. He, uh, like you said, like he didn't, he left it very vague.
2: Yeah, very vague. And that, like I said, that was intentional because it needed to be, it, I've seen some folks on the forums say like, you know, if a chimera takes over a human body, that means that they're now a cathay. And I'm like, no, no, there's so much more metaphysical. That
1: isn't that how happened. that works. Yeah. No. Yeah.
2: Well, and
0: I mean, the way, the way I looked at it and thinking about it as being related to saying that knowledge of how to say in a sprite and i I think Uh of sprites and chimeras being very similar like that knowledge was lost Uh and it just the right burst of remembrance nightmare questing into the dreaming you know whatever Uh it's not like totally unretrievable but it's never going to be common knowledge again
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no nothing's totally unretrievable i mean the uh the core exists to ensure that nothing's ever truly forgotten (laughs)
3: "'Morgan whispered. "'It is beautiful.' "'And Vivian could hear the awe in her voice. "'Lady, is it real?' "'It is more real than any other place you have seen,' Vivian told her. "'And soon you will know it.' "'The barge moved toward the shore and scraped heavily on the sandy edge. "'The silent oarsman moored it with a rope and assisted the lady to step on shore. "'They then led the horses to land.' and Morgan was left to step to the shore by herself. She was never to forget the first sight of Avalon in the sunset. Green lawns sloped down to the edge of the reeds along the lake, and swans glided silent as the barge over the waters. Beneath the groves of oak and apple trees rose a low building of grey stone, and Morgan could see white-robed forms pacing slowly along the colonnaded walk. From somewhere, very softly, she could hear the sound of a harp. The low, slanting light, could it be the same sun she knew, flooded the land with gold and silence, and she felt her throat tighten with tears. She thought, without knowing why, I am coming home, even though all the years of her life had been spent at Tintagel and Carleon, and she had never been this far into the fair country before. All right. That was walking away from Arcadia with Maggie and Charlie, the dev and one of the writers. Well, two of the writers, I suppose. for Two of the writers. writers. I keep my hand in. (laughs) Two of the writers for the book of Freeholds, which is a real thing now. I want to thank you both for coming on and putting up with us, trying to, force this into a bit of a shape
1: it's it's just it's a perfect parable for changeling (laughs) it's true force (laughs) it into a bit of a shape is basically how they function
3: (laughs) yes thank you both for coming on and i want to thank victor for co-hosting this with me and we'll catch you with our next episode from this conversation were Mirror Lights from Book of Freeholds by Onyx Path Publishing Letter from Stardew Valley by Eric Baroni The Marvelous Land of Oz by Frank L. Baum Thief of Always by Clive Barker and The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley The music from this episode was Wabi Sabi Nightclub by HypnoDrones Spooky Disco by Lobo Loco, Hope by Bortex, Throwing a Tantrum by Ask Again, Camille Saint-Siennes' Dance Macabre Isolated Harp by Kevin McLeod, and LSD by Montplaisir.